0: The Trex in Sci-Fi Podcast.
1: Hello there, everyone. It's Rico, and this is Trex in Sci-Fi for January 29th, 2006. It's a rainy Sunday where I'm at right now, but we're going to have a real fun show this week, looking at a Next Generation episode, some nice emails, and other good sci-fi stuff. So stay tuned. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up.
2: From you, Data, you are fully functional, aren't you? Fascinating. I'm pretty busy right at the moment, Jean-Luc.
0: You will address me as Captain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Captain! Stand by to receive our transmission.
1: Well, welcome again to the show for everyone this week. Uh, this is Rico, and of course you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Going to have a real good show this week, I think. Uh, pretty, uh, got a lot of energy this morning. Uh, it's been a pretty good weekend. The, um... The main topic, like I said in the intro, is going to be a next generation episode, uh, the Naked Now. That's going to be later on in the uh, podcast. The um, first couple things I want to kind of talk about some general news and announcements. Then we'll do the email, and then we'll get into the Star Trek episode. Um, the uh, The first thing I wanted to talk about were um, the pricing on Star Trek DVD sets out there. Now, I made a post on the forum on my website about these prices dropping what it, what it looks like right now to me that i've found out is that the next generation and deep space 9 uh, season dvd sets that are out there are dropping in price not necessarily every season but if you check places like amazon.com most of these previously 100 dollar season sets are down around 50 55 dollars now which, which is a huge savings i mean that's almost half off and for people who do don't who don't have these sets right now I, I definitely would uh, think they're worth it at that price especially. Uh, right now it looks like the original series and the Enterprise and Voyager series haven't dropped any in price, but I'm hoping that this is a uh, all kind of a prelude to all of the Star Trek DVD sets dropping in price. I mean, we've got HD DVD on the horizon, Blu-ray DVD, and it's... Um, it's it's to be expected that these prices drop. I mean, generally most DVD season TV sets are in the 50, forty fifty dollar range, sometimes a little less, a little more, depending on the particular set. But I think uh, Star Trek is long overdue to to drop in price for these things, especially since they're being rerun all the time on television. They're really uh, it, it's really still out there and available, and I, I think that would be wise, and they'd sell a lot more copies at that pricing. So I'm hoping that this is a trend that's going to uh, continue. The other thing I wanted to talk about is a few things on my website. Uh, one, we've got some new members there, and, uh, and of course I want to welcome anyone new to the forums or to the podcast for the week. i um, really enjoying how things are going on the forum and the website in general. I'm trying to do some redesigns on it in the next week or two. I am working more on the collectible photo section. Uh, I've, I've recently installed a an update to the gallery software that I'm using there, so that should be looking a little nicer um, very shortly. Maybe this weekend I'll get it finished up after I do the podcast. Just a little different look, and I think a little easier to manipulate and move around and look at the different uh, collectible uh, photos that I've got there. Uh, like I said again earlier, welcome anyone new to the show, and, and also to any um, longtime listeners. This is uh, obviously the uh, and Sci-Fi show that talks all about Star Trek, uh, sci-fi and general geek stuff out there. I'm still really enjoying the, the Sci-Fi Fridays on the Sci-Fi Channel this week. They had new episodes, uh, SG-1, and Atlantis, and Battlestar Galactica, which um, I'm not going to talk too much about those. Uh, I, I definitely urge anyone who can get those shows either by watching Sci-Fi, the Sci-Fi Channel on cable or maybe finding other ways to uh, get these programs to take a look. Battlestar Galactica, of course, is is just awesome, and I, I've mentioned that before. I, I also encourage anyone who's a fan of that podcast to listen to Ron Moore, who's the uh, writer, executive producer on the show. He has his own podcast where he does commentary on each week's episode. usually comes out over the weekend, sometimes Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. depends on when he puts it out, but usually I listen to it generally on Monday, so I've watched the uh, newest Battlestar on Friday night and listened to the, his uh, commentary on Monday after I've seen it. I would definitely would not... Encourage you to listen to that commentary on the on his um, on the particular episodes until you've watched the episode because he does basically talk about the whole show, gives everything away, talks about a lot of things that went on behind the scenes for the podcast or for the excuse me for the episode. So you get a lot of nice background information, but you really don't want to uh, listen to that before you've seen the episode. So that's out there and available. I think that's about it. Oh, I did see the uh, movie uh, over uh, about. Last weekend I saw this, um, the latest uh, Underworld film with Kate Beckinsale and vampires and werewolves, or lichens like they call in that movie. Uh, I'm not going to talk too long about that because I want to get into the uh, main topics and move along, but I I will say that I enjoyed the film. I didn't really find it quite as interesting as the first one. I think some of the freshness was gone. I think the first film, the, the look and everything about that was a little bit... I don't know, a little bit more interesting. This one is still good, I think. Uh it it's worth seeing uh, if you're into that kind of thing and there's definitely a lot of a lot of action and a lot of things going on in it. But it it to me it was a little a little bit weaker perhaps than the first uh film. Also, I thought the storyline in this one was a little bit more kind of confusing and and not uh not really as interesting and straightforward as the first film. But anyway, I I still think it was it was enjoyable time at the uh, at the movies. So so that's about it for uh, just general commentary and news things. I um, want to get into uh, email. I got quite a few emails in the last week. I'm uh, going to talk about those um, next. Incoming transmission, Captain. Okay, the uh, The first email is from a Brian S. Um, he says, hey, Rico, I love listening to the podcast, and it's cool to hear how much you are improving and getting better at them podcast could get stale but you continue to make it interesting my favorite one was the wrath of Khan podcast because i really enjoy that movie yeah i got a lot of good feedback on wrath of Khan. obviously that i had good material to work with you know probably the best star trek movie that they've done a really solid story well done movie the original cast and all that um he uh he he kind of enjoyed the skype uh episode Uh, he had a couple suggestions there the um he also has a has a good point here in another paragraph. His his he's got a fairly long email, so I'm not going to read everything. But it says that he's also in. I've blah, excuse me. Also, you have highlighted some great Star Trek episodes. This is still Brian, uh, but I would enjoy once in a while your comments on some of the lesser favorites and why they didn't work. Your commentary is good when it gives praise and ejects some criticism questions. Yeah, the the difficult thing, Brian, right now is is with with me doing these podcasts uh, once a week and trying to look at a Star Trek episode. Or or some sci-fi topic. I've done a few special shows, I guess. That um, to spend any time really on some of the lesser episodes right now, since this is podcast like twenty-three, I think um, it, it's difficult. What I what I think I might do, Brian, is is do a, a kind of a Star Trek clunker uh, in a way or or um, lemon uh, podcast for. For all the uh, maybe for one for each uh, of the series, the start different Star Trek series, maybe pick out an episode that's sort of you know like Spock's brain, for example, is the classic uh, one that everyone points to in the original series as being a uh, uh, kind of an uh, not not really up to par or one of the uh, the top shows. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I might do that sometime. I, I don't think I would ever devote a whole podcast to to just a, a bad episode, but you never know. So. Uh, he also says the collectible section is a little difficult because it's, he thinks it would be better as a video podcast. Yeah, you know, I've, Brian, I've thought about a video, you know, sort of add on or in addition to what I do on the audio portion for the collectible thing. And that might happen. Uh, I even have thoughts of, of breaking out and doing a um, sort of a separate little mini video collectible podcast to start something like. Um, like that up and just separate that from the main treks and sci-fi podcast i really haven't decided yet right now it's it's taking uh enough of my extra time just to put this show out each week so but that's uh those are good suggestions brian and, and i really appreciate uh your email okay uh the next uh, email here is uh, i think i've gotten a few from this guy before ricardo lopez ricardo a good name uh, he was asking about how he votes for the podcast. Um, Ricardo, On the if you go to the Treks and Sci-Fi website, treksandsci-fi.com or just treksf.com, if you click on the podcast link, uh, that brings up the podcast notes section. And in the right-hand column there, there is a link to Podcast Alley, which is how you can vote for um, for the podcast. Now, there's a Yahoo uh, podcast listing out there. There's Podcast Pickle. There's iTunes. There's um, iTunes. I've been kind of focusing on trying to uh, ask people to vote on Podcast Alley. You know, they they, they collect votes up once per month, uh, and then they reset each month and then do it again. You know, start over for the next month. So by the time a lot of you might be listening to this show, it'll be February already. So I'll sort of send out a preemptive strike uh, for or ask for votes for February. Anyone that uh, is enjoying this show, again, you go to trexonscifi dot com. Go to the podcast page and on the right hand side there's a direct link to the podcast alley uh, listing for this podcast and you can vote there and you, they just send you an email and you got to confirm it is the way it works so I'd appreciate that. Uh, uh, Ricardo also says by the way would you ever consider doing a short talk on on your um, about Gene Roddenberry? He had a very interesting life um, and he says this since this this uh, podcast is the like the NPR of Star Trek a bio done on the creator would be appropriate. Um, yeah, you know, I I thought about uh, that again. Um, there are several good books out there on Gene Roddenberry's life. A couple, uh, a little after he died, uh, in the early '90s, that they put out. I'm uh, not really. I mean, I know a lot about what he did in his life and his background. Uh, I know he was in um, he he flew commercial airliners for a while. He did a lot of um, excuse me television writing and pilots before Star Trek and other shows. Um, so, I, yeah, I might, I might do that sometime, talk about um, Gene on a, on a whole uh, podcast uh, or, or maybe Star Trek in general, not so much specific to one episode, but maybe and then hit on Gene Roddenberry and that. So the good, a lot of good suggestions from the uh, listeners and uh, definitely anyone that wants, uh, you know, things that are sci-fi or, or Trek related uh, added to the podcast or things that you'd like to hear about. I'm definitely open for suggestions, so send uh, send your comments in and make them audio if you can. That would be great. I have a few audio comments from listeners this week that I'm going to play later on, which which is really great. I like to get that because it breaks up the show a little bit, and I think it... Uh, There's a little more participation effort, you know, back and forth between me and and the people that are listening to the podcast that way without me just droning on and on about how great Star Trek is and how everyone should be watching all the DVDs and go buy them and buy them and stuff like that. So, you know, um, so thanks for your uh, email, Ricardo. We're going to go on to the next one now. All right, the next wonderful email, because they're all wonderful, um, that's a nice thing. You know, people, uh, I think, tend to write emails when they like something. I mean, yeah, occasionally they might send something, hey, your, your podcast stinks, buddy. You don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, that I don't think for podcasting in general that happens. I mean, I tend to write podcasters that uh, of, of shows that I enjoy. You know, I'm not going to take the time to write a guy and say, hey, you guys, your podcast sucks. So, but anyway, uh, this guy is uh, Nathaniel Canair. I can't pronounce last names. Uh, Nathaniel writes, "Dear Rico, I wanted to drop you a note and let you know how much I enjoy your Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. I've been an avid SF podcast fan for a while and find your podcast while well looking for shows devoted to Star Trek. Yeah, you know, I always look at the Star Trek listings on, on podcasting, and, and it's it's kind of there's some odd shows out there related to Star Trek, but I don't think there's one like this. So I, so far, no one's uh, no one's really doing this kind of a podcast on Star Trek, which I which I'm enjoying." Um, I think of another TV show or, or series started, I, I think that might change, which it, it'll be interesting when that happens. So, He says he's been a Trek fan since his teenage years. It seems like you and I discovered Star Trek around the same time. He likes my reviews of the classic Star Trek episodes, as well as some of the new series, of course, and Trek collectibles. He says he, with, he has two young children to raise. He doesn't have much extra cash to, to spend on Trek memorabilia. But back in the heyday, I, I hit several conventions a year to snap up books, toys, blueprints, and just about anything else he could find. In my attic, he has boxes and boxes of TNG figures and ships, which he bought in the 90s, hoping they'd be an investment in years to come. He says they probably never will be as valuable as his Mega excuse me, which was a, a toy company that produced a lot of dolls in the 70s. Spock, he has a Mega Mago Spock, and Klingon dolls. But uh, in the meantime, my 4-year-old son has insisted he play with my TOS Playmates figures and is now exploring his imagination with the help of the original series crew. Yeah, I got my kids excited about Star Trek early on, too. I remember my older son uh, sitting down and watching uh, The Next Generation with me. He always really enjoyed the opening uh, theme sequence when the Enterprise flew by. He got a big kick out of the Enterprise um, flying by so fast, he'd always giggle at that. So something I'll remember a long time. Oh, yeah, his suggestions were to do some podcasting about the animated Trek series and Star Trek New Voyages and the Star Trek novels. This is all from Nathan. Um, Nathan, yeah, those are all good ideas. I have talked about Star Trek New Voyages, which is the fan film series, which you can find, I I believe, just their website is still StarTrekNewVoyages.com. Animated Trek, uh, the... The talk right now is that the animated DVD sets are going to be out sometime in this year in 2006, probably towards summer to fall. This is the 40th uh, year anniversary of Star Trek from 1966 to 2006. Uh, Yeah, I'm a big fan of the animated series, and I will probably be doing at least uh, one podcast or more on that at some point in time. The Star Trek novels, I used to read them a lot more than I do these days. I, I, I just don't have as much time to do that as I used to. I read one occasionally, maybe one or two a year is about it. Um, I do have probably quite a few that I'd recommend, and that's probably another good idea for a podcast. So it's, it's great to get all these emails this weekend, and you guys have a lot of good ideas, and I'm going to start to keep a list of all uh, the different types of podcasts and different shows I should be doing or what you guys are interested in, and I will definitely be doing that. So thanks for uh, your email, Nathan. And I think that's about it for email this week. I do have, like I said, audio comments from a few other people. Oh, I'm sorry. I had one other uh, email from a uh, somebody named uh, Brad Boer. I think that's how you say your last name. Uh, Brad does a uh, podcast uh, called Pop Culture. Er sorry, not. I think a lot of people are are doing that. He he calls it Pod Culture. Pod Culture. And you can find him on iTunes. And he actually sent me a little audio clip. Uh, I think he sent it through my voicemail line, so the audio quality is, is so so. But I'm going to play that for you uh, from Brad right now. This is from Brad at Pod Culture. Hi, I'm Brad Boyer from the Pod
0: Culture Podcast and PodCulture.net. And when we at Pod Culture need a heaping dose of sci fi goodness, we listen to the Treks and Sci Fi Podcast. And then we check out the news and forums at the Trex in Sci-Fi website. So head on over and check out trekssf.com or treksinsci-fi.com. See you around the verse.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot for that uh, nice uh, comment there, Brad. I have uh, listened to Brad's uh, Pod Culture uh, podcast, uh, the latest one they did, which they did a. Um, that's a couple of guys, I think him and a friend, basically uh, talking about different sci-fi and geekery stuff. The last uh, podcast they did was about uh, DVD sets. Uh, the Flash just came out on DVD. Uh, I think they talked about uh, other ones like uh, Wonder Woman and um, trying to remember Alias. A lot, lots of different sci-fi and, and adventure-related and DVD sets. Anyway, I would uh, definitely recommend Brad's uh, Podcast at podculture.com. Very interesting and good good listening to that uh, show, Brad. Thanks for your comments. And with that, I think we're done with the email and other assorted stuff. And we're going to get into this week's uh, main Star Trek topic, which is the Next Generation first season episode, The Naked Now. And I'm going to play the uh, promo or preview trailer for that episode right now on the next episode of star trek the next generation they're all dead a contaminated ship
0: is spreading a strange disease oh. it is definitely like alcohol intoxication and the new enterprise is on a galactic collision course what we're seeing sir is a huge chunk of the star's surface blown away heading for us now the crew faces disaster we're not gonna make it on star trek the next generation
1: okay so again this uh, this week's episode that we're gonna look at is the naked now this was the second episode that was shown uh, for the next generation series you know they did the pilot which was encounter at Far point and then this show turned up the naked now now as a uh, everyone out there who is a big Star Trek fan will of course realize that The Naked Now is sort of a basically retelling of The Naked Time from the original series and Gene Roddenberry fully intended for this situation. He, he wanted to do an episode early in the Next Generation series that would reveal a lot about the characters on the, this new crew of the Enterprise just like he did in the original series. Now a lot of fans at the time were kind of like saying to themselves and talking on, uh, you know, at that time the internet wasn't really around, but anyway, bulletin boards and various ways they would hook up conventions. Everyone was kind of like, you know, sort of dissing Gene Roddenberry and and the people working on The Next Generation for basically taking a a previous story and, and, and rehashing it. Now, I'm kind of have a slightly mixed feelings on that. one, I think it was a good idea. I think it was a good way to introduce the characters, give you a lot of background information on them, how they basically are you know what makes them tick to some degree. Uh, but again for the second uh, for the second episode to air for the next generation this this was maybe just a slight misstep. I, I think maybe if it had come later in the season in the first season somewhere midway or so, it would have been all right. The second episode, that's a little tricky. I think they needed something a little stronger, perhaps. But it's still, to me, a a fun, good episode, especially since the first season was a little bit rocky. That some of the episodes that were not that strong. Now, this was written by John Black, who did the original, who actually wrote The Naked Time for the original series based on. This was kind of based on Gene Roddenberry's notes, though, to some degree. Now, DC Fontana also worked on some of this uh, storyline and the episode and did some of the writing on it. And, and there were things that in her story that weren't really I- included. One, there's a lot more going on with Jordy He, he starts out with the disease in this show, but he kind of ends up in sick bay for a lot of it. Uh, there's more involving Data and Riker and Picard. They all have more deep-seated uh, misgivings and, and kind of qualities that make them appear a little bit weak that kind of didn't really make it to the final episode. Picard's a lot... One of of the things Picard's worried about is is all the families that are aboard the new Enterprise. You know, they have a thousand people on the new Enterprise. Uh, Everyone's family is aboard. He's concerned about that, and that comes out when he gets the disease. So, little things like that that didn't make it in the final story. Uh, they You know, they start out with uh, the same situation where they're observing a... Instead of a collapsing planet, they're observing a collapsing star that this Tsiolkovsky uh science vessel has been investigating, which is where they pick up the disease. The um the thing I want to play though uh right now is I got a listener that sent in a comment. I asked for some comments on the forum and, and this, this worked out pretty well. I got a couple of comments. One is from Kenny out in California who who writes and this is his commentary on The Naked Now which I'm gonna play uh before we get deep into the episode. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California just wanted to give you my thoughts on the TNG episode, The Naked Now. Um, it was the second episode to air in the first season, and after such a great pilot encounter at
2: Farpoint, I was a bit disappointed. Um, I was hoping for more of an original story and not just a rehash of a TOS uh, episode, The Naked Time. Um, not that it was all bad. you know. I did enjoy seeing the characters out of character, but I uh, you know i don't think it it made such a a good episode for just being the second episode into the new series
1: anyways those are my thoughts talk to you later bye thanks for the uh comments uh, kenny that uh, like i said earlier i kind of agree with you to some to some point the um uh, this was a little bit difficult as a second episode for the next generation to show um But I have another comment that that I'm going to play, and then we'll get into more uh, audio and my commentary on the Naked Now show. This one is from my friend Morales in Mexico. So here is his comment about the Naked Now episode.
2: Hello, Rico. This is Morex from Mexico. And I have to say that the Naked Now episode is one of my favorites in um, the first season of The Next Generation. When I saw this episode, I was very young. I I was still in in my first year of university, I think. And I think it was very cool to have Wesley Crusher take control over the ship. Now, my only problem is that it was one of those uh, shows where uh, a strange plague or a strange disease runs amok the, the Enterprise. And I think there were quite a few shows like that. The thing is that, as usual, uh, the crew manages to to save the day from it, and um, I think it, it all made a very cool episode at the end. And um, But I think I will leave the full review to you, because that's what treks in Sci-Fi is all about. And um, keep up the great work. You know you have a loyal listener down in Mexico, and um, I'll keep in touch. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank, thank you, Morales. Uh, that was a great, uh, some great comments from you on on the Naked Now. I, I really like getting these uh, comments for the uh, the episodes that I'm going to be talking about. And I will try. I'm going to go back to the format. To, at the end of this show, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to mention what I'm going to be talking about next uh, next week's uh, podcast to sort of. Send out the message and call for audio comments like this that you can send to me at treksf at gmail.com or to the audio comment line at uh, I think I believe it's 206 88 Trex T R E X sorry T R E K S that's 206 88 uh for the audio um, voicemail line for the show. So thanks again for your comments, Morales. I I think uh, this is a fun show. I mean, there's a lot of fun things with the whole Wesley thing. Tasha Yar has a lot to do in this episode. And everyone gets to act a little bit of fun and goofy. Even Data gets drunk uh, and, and gets the disease in here. So without any further ado, let's get into the heart of the show. We're going to begin with a audio, quick audio clip of Captain Picard uh, telling you what's going on. This is at the very start of The Naked Now. Here we go.
0: Captain's Log, Stardate four one two zero nine point two. We are running at warp 7 to rendezvous with the science vessel SS Tsiolkovsky, which has been routinely monitoring the collapse of a red supergiant star into a white dwarf. What has brought us here is a series of strange messages indicating something has gone wrong aboard the research vessel.
1: So there's uh, Captain Picard, uh, played by Patrick Stewart, talking about what's happening. You know, they're investigating this science vessel, the uh, that they're that is uh, observing the collapse of this red giant into a into a white dwarf star. A um, couple couple things, I, I you know, I've talked about it before on in reviewing other Next Generation episodes, but Patrick Stewart as Jean Luc Picard um, was was just a good, really perfect choice for the captain of the Enterprise. He's he's enough different than Kirk, but you can respect him. He's intelligent, and just his whole voice really lends a lot with his British accent, even though he's supposed to be really a Frenchman. Um, on the Enterprise, is lends a lot of gravity and importance to his you know character, and he's the captain, so he needs that uh, that effect. And I've always I, I saw I think I've seen him maybe a couple of times at different two different conventions and. The, the, the wonderful thing about Patrick Stewart I've always found at conventions is that uh, when they do the Q&A, the questions to the audience thing, he, he's always really, really good with that. I've, I've seen a lot of different celebrities, uh, you know, Star Trek and other other things uh, at conventions and other events. and But Patrick Stewart, he'll actually listen to your question. I mean, he'll listen to it. He he looks at you. He talks to you. And he'll answer you. He doesn't just give you a smart aleck remark. and. And that's okay. I mean, I, sometimes that's the personality of the people, and I understand that. But but I've really admired Patrick Stewart for a long time. He he's great with the fans, and he he's a very very nice English gentleman, uh, and that really comes out in his performances, I believe. And he he's a great actor. So enough about uh, Patrick. Uh, I, I, again, Patrick, if you're listening to my show, hey, good job. So um so we got the naked now going. The uh, the crew then. Uh, they investigate the the ship, and that's where Geordi picks up the disease. And trying to take a look here. Hang on one second. I gotta look at the next audio clip I have. Ah, yes. Yeah, sorry about that. The uh, okay. So they they get back to the Enterprise, and and Geordi of course has picked up this disease. The um, the next clip that I'm gonna play is a nice little scene between um, Geordi, you know, who's the blind helmsman of the Enterprise at this time in the in the first season, and. Tasha who is the uh, security chief now Tasha kind of uh has gotten a bad rap uh I think in a way over the years uh she um uh, I thought that, that her character was really interesting and, and and well done and uh Denise Crosby did a good job with the character but she felt I think towards the end of the first season that that there were too many people and she wasn't getting enough to do so she had a- asked to leave the show and that that's what happened there but um the, the background a little bit, I, I don't think I've mentioned this one before, but Denise Crosby and Marina Certes that, that auditioned for The Next Generation, they actually had, um, originally had their roles reversed. Uh, Denise was going to play the, the counselor role, and Marina was going to play the security chief. Uh, who, she was going to have a different character name. She was supposed to be sort of Hispanic, I believe, uh macha hernandez i believe was going to be her her the for marina's role she was going to be security chief but anyway uh long story slightly shorter um they decided that it made a lot more sense marina to be in the empathic troy role and for denise to be in the security chief role but it'd be kind of interesting you know if they had gone the other way what they originally had thought of which was the reverse of that you know would uh would they both have stayed on the show long, you know, the whole run-through? Uh, obviously, Marina, as Counselor Troy stayed on. and But she, you know, over the seasons and over the episodes, there were a lot of episodes where she didn't have a lot to do either. I mean, it's a big cast and hard to give everyone a shot So uh, for each episode. But anyway, back to The Naked Now. And the scene next uh, clip I'm going to play is between Tasha and Jordy when uh, Jordy's talking to Tasha about his uh, lack of sight. So listen to this. Help me.
0: Help me to not give in to the wild things coming into my mind.
2: Jordy, my job is security.
0: Tasha, please.
2: All right. All right, helping is more important. Jordy, how can I help you?
0: Help me to see like you do.
2: But you already see better than I can. I see more.
0: But more... Isn't better.
2: Jordy, please put this. I want
0: to see in shallow, dim, beautiful, human ways.
2: We'll talk about it, Jordy. Right now, I'm going to take you to sickbay. All right?
1: a real uh, real good scene there, uh, and, I, and I say that almost, I think, every time I play a clip, but uh, yeah, it's what I like. You know, Denise Crosby, uh, Lavar Burton as Jordy, R- really, really nice little scene. They, they show that they know each other, that they're comfortable with each other there, and, and, and Jordy, you know, it comes out when, when he's infected with this uh, sort of, um, you know, it acts like alcohol on the body, and he's letting loose a little bit. You know, he, he is... He can see with his visor uh, in in a spectrum in ways that that humans can't. But he kind of longs to see just like we do, like normal people do. And and it it's it's really a, a good good strong scene. And I really liked Lavar Burton on the next generation. I mean, he, he, just a good solid actor. And I, I really liked him. He had a lot of energy in the role and and, and really good. Um, I wanted to comment, uh, Gene Roddenberry. I don't think I've ever said this one before on Next Gen, but he wanted to have someone that was sort of in some way handicapped on, you know, as part of the crew for the next generation. because anyone that's familiar with with the fans of Star Trek, and this is maybe true about other fan fandom and of other things out there, but there are quite a few people that are that are handicapped, wheelchair bound, um, you know vision problems. You know other medical conditions and things that are fans of Star Trek. You know Star Trek's always stood for hope in the future and all those kind of things, and that that mankind will improve and get better, and and medical advances and, and a lot of that kind of stuff. But uh, there was a uh, handicapped gentleman. I believe he's a wheelchair bound gentleman. I'm not sure why exactly, but his name was Geordi. And when the they started to come up with the characters for the next generation, Gene had decided, you know, he wanted someone who was handicapped on his crew of the Enterprise. He wanted to show that even, you know, 300 years, whatever, in the future, that there would still be people that had disabilities that they had to overcome. And he used this uh, real-life person of Geordi and, and named his uh, his character after him for the next generation. Now, Gene also thought it was a fun little twist to make uh, the blind guy, basically, the, the one that was driving and, and you know the helmsman for the new ship, although eventually Geordi becomes the chief engineer, which which was a good fit, because in the early season of The Next Generation, the chief engineer was almost like the chief engineer job of the week. They kept changing people, and I think they uh, they were trying something different. You know, there was Scotty from the original series, and they, they were I think they were trying to not necessarily have a main, main character as the engineer, but they decided, hey, too much involves engineering, we need a main character there, and they put Geordi in that position. So... There's just some background information for you on, on Jordy's character. The next uh, clip I'm going to play is is with Data on the bridge uh, looking up, uh, hey, what's the, de- what's the deal with this disease? Commander Riker seems to recall uh, something like this happening in the past. And here's the connection between the original series and the next generation. So listen to this clip.
0: Why should anyone wish to expend his time in such a search? Correction, Data. I should have said proverbial needle in a haystack. Uh, a human proverb. As in folklore, or an historical illusion, or tribal memory. Historical, that's it. I remember I was reading a history of all the past starships named Enterprise. Enterprise history, aberrant behavior, medical cross-reference. Captain, I believe we have the answer to what happened over there. The Constitution-class starship Enterprise, Captain James T. Kirk, command. Similar conditions. They were monitoring a planet that was breaking up and not a collapsing stars in this case. But there were the same huge shifts in gravity. Which somehow resulted in complex strings of water molecules, which acquired carbon from the body and acted acted on the brain like alcohol. Data, download this information to medical immediately. Yes, sir. Download it. Fascinating.
1: So there is the the connection there between the original series and the next generation uh, the two episodes i always got a kick out of uh, on all the star trek series how they would you know connect back uh, they did another tribble episode in deep space nine eventually they did the mirror mirror type uh, shows on deep space and eventually they did a couple on enterprise so that that's always fun to see and i don't never th- i don't think they've ever gone really overboard with that i mean it's nice that you've got this whole universe and history out there, and that you don't ignore it—that there are connections, because you know that's the way re- you know the real world and reality would really work. You know, you wouldn't constantly week after week be running into completely new and and alien things that that there was no experience or any background with. I mean, constantly uh, the, they'd be running into similar things, or there'd be some some kind of familiarity with the situation that they would be looking up, uh, you know, Googling on the Enterprise uh, past. Uh, Past things that were similar to what they were experiencing, so I I like that fact, and and I think they did a pretty good job with that here. Of course, they don't—you know—they do get the information. They they try to work up a cure, but it doesn't quite work that easily. So, uh, the next clip I'm going to play is is another fun one with Data, Brent, Spiner on the bridge, Um, just just relaying some information to the captain about what's going on, and and then eventually uh, Data goes off to see Tasha Yar. So, listen to this clip.
0: And there was a rather peculiar limerick Being delivered by someone in the shuttlecraft bay I am not sure I understand it There was a young lady from Venus Whose body was shaped like a Captain to security, come in Did I say something wrong? I don't understand their humor either (laughs) Yeah, Captain Where is my security chief? Get me Lieutenant Yard Keep your britches on
2: Captain Picard
0: Lieutenant, where are you?
2: I'm in my quarters, and um I'm pretty busy right at the moment, Jean-Luc.
0: All right, Lieutenant, you just stay right there. Data, go to Lieutenant Yard, take her down to sickbay. Nice, sir.
1: Oh, isn't that the kick uh, with uh, Denise's Tashiyara uh, Jean-Luc, you know, she's uh, down in her quarters, and... The other crewman says, "You know, to Captain Picard, keep your britches on." I mean, it's uh, this is just a fun, fun episode when they do that kind of stuff. I mean, they, again, like I said earlier on, I mean, yeah, they were they were kind of rehashing and going back and uh, and doing something they had done before, but it's it, it's a it's a technique and it worked. I mean, they they get a lot out in the episode and you learn a lot about the characters. And Data has a has a fun time. Brent has a has a great time. You know, Brent is a is a real. Um, Cut up. I mean, he he's a funny guy. If you've ever seen him at a convention or anyone gets a chance to, he's a he, he's a real smart, funny guy, and and he has a good time in this show uh, along with Denise as, as Tasha. So uh, so data's off, sent off. You know, I I always wondered. You know, they've got a thousand people and a lot of crewmen on the on the bridge. They you know, Picard says, "Hey, data, why don't you go get Tasha and take her down the sick bay?" You know, couldn't he call up like crewmen? You know, ten down on whatever. You know, but I guess. He knew Data. He could trust him and get get uh, Tasha to sickbay, all right. Because at the time, uh, Picard didn't really think Data could be affected by this. So of course, that doesn't turn out to be the case. So now we're gonna play the uh, the excuse me the next clip, which I was gonna say the the fun next clip is with Data and Tasha down in her quarters, and Tasha's about to find out something about Data, which which wasn't really. Generally known, so let's listen to that.
2: And what I want now is gentleness. And joy. And love. From you, Data, you are fully functional, aren't you?
0: Of course, but.
2: How fully?
0: In every way, of course. I am programmed in multiple techniques, a broad variety of pleasuring.
2: Oh, you jewel, that's exactly what I hoped.
1: I was uh, just noticing as I listened to the, that clip uh, that the uh, the ending of it is is one of the rare times you, you know there is music being used in the background on, on Next Gen and other Star Trek series. But like I've mentioned in the past, uh, not nearly like it was in in the original series. And that that was one little time there that I really did notice the music, and I I thought it was kind of fun and and I think they uh they used it well here. So there you find out that Data is fully functional. So um but that's uh that's a fun scene. Fun little scene with um Tasha, very out of character in her quarters with uh Commander Data. Now we're going to move along in the episode and I think the next yeah, the next clip is also uh now the next thing that I I want to talk about in, in the next clip it involves the whole Wesley crusher saving the ship messing with the ship taking taking over the ship in this episode then eventually helping save it Wesley uh, was created again was a gene Roddenberry you know he insisted he wanted to have a, a young younger person on the ship and he also wanted that person to be very very intelligent and th- you know this this created or ended up with the character of Wesley now will Wheaton played Wesley, and I think uh, he's another character that, that sort of gets the short end of the stick a lot of times with Star Trek uh, fans and uh, other people in general because of these situations. And But you got to keep in mind that this is the way Gene wanted it to be. This is the way the stories were written, um, and Will Wheaton himself at least didn't have a whole lot of say in the matter. Now, eventually they, they started to do some stories later on in, about Wesley that were a little deeper, a little harder edged, and not, not so much of this, here's the... Genius kids saving the enterprise, um, which which did get overdone, um, but uh, you know they, they were still trying to you know shake the cobwebs of the old series out of the way. They were trying to find their own footing for this next generation crew. So I, I cut them quite a bit of slack with that, and I, you know I think it's just again fun situation with Wesley, uh, what he does by uh, getting into engineering, just like uh, Riley did in the Naked Time and takes over the the basically the the whole Enterprise. And here's a little scene or a little clip that I'll play uh, showing what happens when Wesley takes over. So listen to this. Attention, all decks, all divisions. Effective immediately, I have handed over
0: control of this vessel to Acting Captain Wesley Crusher. Acting Captain? Thank you, Captain Picard. Thank you. And with that
1: order, dawns a brave new day for the Enterprise. The way that uh, Wesley got that to work, he has this little device in this episode that uh, he's recorded the captain's voice uh, when he's made announcements and things, and Wesley's uh, programmed the thing to, to basically say anything he wants the captain to say. You know, hey, Wesley, take over the bridge of the Enterprise, hey, Wesley, uh... Set a course and all that kind of stuff. So, so Wesley's now uh, locked himself in engineering. He's taken over the ship, and of course, things are uh, kind of grim. The uh, the next, uh, you know, everyone basically ends up with this disease just about on on the the Enterprise, which which makes it, of course, fun, but a little dangerous, of course. Riker, I think, lasts just about the longest. And I don't think Worf. I don't uh, looking back over the episode. I don't think he Worf ever gets affected. Which is, it was kind of interesting. You, you know you kind of wonder if it was a Klingon. You know Klingons weren't affected by this, and why they didn't do much more with that. But uh, so the uh, the next scene that I'm going to play is with uh, Captain Picard and, and Bevel, Beverly, excuse me, uh, Doctor Crusher, which is a fun little scene. You know they always played that they were uh, they were kind of possibly an item to some degree. You know Picard was friends with Beverly's husband. Uh, they used to serve together. And here's that here's that clip with um, the doctor and Captain Picard.
0: Beverly. Yes, Jean-Luc. You will address me as Captain. <laughs> captain. Oh, well, then, my dear Captain, you will address me as Chief Medical Officer or Doctor. I will. <laughs> That's true. I started out by calling you Beverly, and of course, naturally, you. I'm still not thinking straight. Likewise, where the hell was I headed? If. if that's something you were going to test. Yes,
2: on Geordie! Come here.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's Gates McFadden as Dr. Crusher, um gates uh is having a fun time obviously in this episode she uh she was gone for the i think it was the second season uh replaced by uh kate mold not kate um excuse me i'm blanking uh, dr pulaski and the um the character of dr crusher then comes back eventually and, and serves longer on the enterprise but um what i was going to say is is that's a uh, that shows a lot about their characters. There, they're kind of attracted to each other, but you know, one's the captain, one's the chief medical officer, and they. Uh, there, there's a um, an episode later, later, I think sixth or seventh season called "Joined." I think is the name of the episode where they end up on this planet together, and they have this device that allows them to read each other's thoughts. Uh, that's a good episode, real interesting episode, and does a lot with their characters. But maybe we'll talk about that in the future. Now the uh, in the next clip actually, I think this next one takes place a little before the one you just heard. But this is with Data after he has been with uh, with Tasha, and Data is also now infected. Even though uh, he's an android, and you know you wouldn't have thought. And I, I like this idea. I like the fact that they, uh, you know, usually somebody like an android or a robot or some alien on the ship would be the one. Hey, they're not going to be bothered by this thing. They're going to be the ones to save the day. And Data does eventually help out saving the Enterprise, but. Data is not uh, immune to this, this uh, illness, so listen to this when he comes back up on the bridge of uh, the Enterprise talking to the captain. At least you're functioning fully, Captain. Data.
0: Intoxication is a human condition. Your brain is different. It's not the same as... We are more alike than unlike, my dear Captain. I have pores Humans have pores I have Fingerprints Humans have fingerprints My chemical nutrients are like your blood If you prick me Do I not Leak? Doctor!
2: Captain, can I see you in your ready room? It's a private matter no, actually it's
1: an urgent one but again brent spiner great greatest data uh, even from the get-go he had that character nailed down and and just just really perfect the whole pinocchio complex him trying to become more human with emotions and uh, you find out there he, he's a lot more human than uh, people might be thinking and that almost wraps up the episode the uh the last clip that I'm gonna I'm gonna play it kind of takes you out. This is the very end of the episode where they've wrapped things up. They've saved. Uh, they've managed to get back in engineering. Data's put all the little chips back in. Get the engines back online so they can get out of the way of uh, this piece of stellar material that's that's coming hurtling towards the Enterprise to destroy it. So and 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 this is one of the times where they actually have and they did this quite often on Next Generation where they do have a uh, sort of a little little kind of wrap up on the bridge with the main crew and talking about uh what's happened with them so i'm going to play this clip then it'll be a little break there for a second and we're going to come back with a quick collectible uh review so uh here we go i put it to you all i think we shall end up with a fine crew
0: if we avoid temptation So, number one, let's go to our next job. Aye, sir. Al, prepare for warp
1: three. Heading 294, mark 37.
2: Warp three heading 294, mark 37, sir. Engage.
0: This show is part of the out-of-this-world entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network,
1: tsfpn.com. Okay, I'm back. Uh, i going to talk about a quick uh, review of a collectible uh, that I've had for a while, and Kind of uh, forgot to, uh, to review this one since it's a very Star Trek-oriented collectible. This is the Master Replicas Klingon Disruptor piece. This is based on the Klingon disruptor that was seen in the original Star Trek series. Now again, there'll be um, I'm turn down this background music a little bit. Again, there are there are pictures up on the podcast notes section on the website that you can take a look a little bit more. Um basically this this is a really nice piece it ha- it has all the metal and look that uh, this this item has it, it's very authentic looking just like the uh, the props that they used on a few of the Klingon episodes in the original series the disruptors the other neat thing about this item is the the there is a sort of a trigger on it that will uh, give you the effects that um, that they have. Uh, the sound effect kind of thing. Now the, the disruptors never really had a light beam or anything that popped out that you saw, but the, there is a sound effect when you push the trigger button on these. And I, let, me, uh, let me grab it real quick and I'll play that for you. Uh, okay, here's the uh, pressing the little trigger on the disruptor. <coughs> That kind of is the sound it makes. It's it's a real solid piece. Uh, it has sort of a, a bluish-green kind of paint-gray kind of look to it. It has a lot of metal parts, like I said. Uh, there is, uh, it takes a couple of batteries to, uh, to make, make that sound effect. This piece came out, I think it was about two years ago, from Master Replicas. I think they're all out of stock now, but of course there's always uh, the eBay sources and other places online that you can find these items at. Uh, The, they haven't, Master Replicas has not done a lot of Star Trek, uh, prop replicas. They did the, the main three pieces, the communicator, the phaser, and the tricorder, which I've talked about before. And then they did this Klingon, uh, disruptor piece. The plan this year for Master Replicas is they're going to put out a studio scale, like a three foot long Enterprise model based on the original series, which, which I'm real, really excited about. That'd be a neat, neat piece. It's probably going to be super expensive and, uh. Have to uh, send a lot of or take a lot of pop cans back to pay for that one. But anyway, um, you can see the uh, photos. Photos really will give you a better idea about this uh, this item. But uh, it's it's really well done. It's a real real nice piece for a Star Trek collector out there. So take a look. And I, I think that's uh, going to just about do it for this week's episode, uh, podcast episode, uh, show number twenty three for Treks in Sci Fi time just about for me to get some lunch get this edited up and post to the uh, to the worldwide web again uh, anyone who wants more information about uh, what I talked about today uh, in the podcast notes section go to www.treksf.com or just treksandsci-fi.com please if you get a chance to uh, vote on Podcast Ellie the other thing I'm looking for hopefully anyone who's out there if you're using iTunes and you could post just a quick little review up on the Go to podcasts in iTunes and then pull up the you know Trucks and Sci-Fi show and then you can click on the write a review. Um, just a couple of quick sentences and I think they asked for a, a one to five star rating for the show. But I, I think a lot of people are, are getting the feed and getting the podcast through iTunes. So if you could put a couple of quick comments out there about the show, what you like about it, uh, hopefully if you're listening, you do like it, and uh, that would be greatly appreciated. So again until uh, next week oh I w- did want to say one last thing next week we're going to the main topic for Star Trek I'm gonna look at another original uh, original series episode we're gonna look at the Squire of Gothos which is uh, a real fun episode uh, with uh, you know the Squire of Gothos played by William Campbell a lot of fun in that show uh, I re- really enjoyed that one and if anyone would like to please email me some audio what you think about that show just you know 30 seconds a minute. You can talk about Square of Gothos, you can talk about sci-fi in general, maybe a movie or a TV show that you've seen lately that you liked or didn't like. Uh, send those into uh, treksf at gmail.com or call the voiceline 206-88-TREK-TREKS with an S on the end of it. So, And all that info you can find on the website. And I think I've babbled on long enough. Everyone really have a, have a wonderful week this week, and I will be talking to you uh, next weekend again. This is Rico signing off. Bye-bye, everyone.
2: This has been a Rick Dosty production.